Gentlemen, good morning. Good, good morning. morning. Good morning. How are we this beautiful Thursday morning, March it's, 1st? Good it's, thing it's, it's Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> oh, crap. Uh, what did I say? Thursday? Thursday. Yeah. I'm not a morning person. That's really good because it was okay. Thursday. I should be downtown right now. I was How are think, we? I was saying that. Yeah. Yeah. How is Pretty everyone good. today? That's good. Nice yeah, there were moments day. of sunshine. Thank you. Moments of sunshine. Still kind of gray, but. My blinds I aren't even up yet. That's the yeah. point I am this morning. My blinds aren't even up. I don't know what, what's going on today. I know for a fact Daniel hasn't stopped smiling since yesterday afternoon. I don't even yes. have to ask. I just I just know. <gasps> it that happened. is because Luke Shen is a Toronto Maple Leaf. Somehow still is Alex Kerfoot, which is just the funniest thing ever. Okay. I, we... I'd like to point out first before we move yeah. on. Go ahead. We had an insider moment again. Of course, we Dan- called Daniel it. Daniel called it again because we're smart insider men. Yeah. Yes, Luke Shen for a third to the Leafs. I mean, to be fair, the, the asking price was the third round pick, mm-hmm. but it was more. But the it was the Leafs, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we're clever. Okay, Toronto's so favorite son returns. I always forget he was a Leaf until people say that. Okay, so before we recorded this episode, um, the days leading up, we were worried that this was going to be a very short rumor filled episode huh. um you know except for maybe the Timo Meyer trade because that happened hours after we recorded last episode uh, it took about 20 hours to get the return on Timo Meyer uh also that day Barry Trotz is set to replace David Boyle when David Boyle retires like that's what's happened since then um it feels like we've had an NHL trade deadline except for the fact it's in a few days this is what's happened. Patrick Kane is officially a New York Ranger. Timo Meyer is a New Jersey Devil. Tanner Janot is a Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, poor Jonathan Quick is a Columbus Blue Jacket. Jake McCabe is a Toronto Maple Leaf. Uh, so is Luke Shedden. Engvall and Sandine are gone. That was surprising. The Edmonton Oilers did a really good move and got Matias Echo. The caps, I've sent out the caps. The NHL have sent out notes about cap circumvention days before the deadline. Nice guys. And I don't think that there is. Oh God, uh, like where, where do we where do we start? Like honestly, where do we start? There's so much here. I feel like we should start with the big one, Patrick Kane. All right, so here's how the trade goes down. Uh, the New York Rangers acquire Patrick Kane at technically 25 percent of his ten and a half million dollar cap hit. There's also a roster player in there, Cooper Zek. Uh, and then going the other way is another roster sort of warm body contract. And Andy Walensky, a 2025 fourth, a conditional 2022 second. Uh, if anyone's curious, I believe the uh, condition on that is based upon them winning two playoff rounds. And then uh, it basically moves over. But, you know, the important thing is it's it's a second, the fourth at this moment. Uh, the Coyotes also uh, helping the salary work in this three-way trade get a third round pick. There's also some other depth guys. I mean, I uh, shouldn't say depth, ro- non-roster warm bodies that were moved around. But what we need to know is Patrick Kane is officially a New York Ranger and one of the mm-hmm. most annoying and complicated trade sagas in recent memory is complete. I like to acknowledge that Arizona also uh, said goodbye and thank you to Patrick Kane for that having was absolutely- him for a f- that was funny. I'll give them that. I love that. That was amazing. Also, just perfect Photoshop. Is you know, I was thinking about this the other day. 
is if we look at and break down the cap hit of the Arizona Coyotes, is it is there more of a cap hit to players not playing hockey games for them, or more to players playing? Because I have to imagine at this point that's a pretty close ratio. I'm meaning to look at that, but um, yeah. that team really needs to actually start trying because it feels like they're rebuilding for the third time in five years. They're a Hall of Fame team, if you really look at it. Who's under contract? Yeah. Hosa, Dotsu. I mean, no, well, no, they, I don't think the, I don't know if they're under contract anymore. Weber's in there. Pronger's obviously there. But anyway, uh, yeah, Patrick Kane is a New York Ranger. We should probably talk about that. Sorry, I'm just doing They have $21 million and just <laughs> nothing. And what's the what's the cap floor? Like $56 million? Or is uh, it like 60 now? That's a great question. I'm not into. Uh, I'm just looking right now. That's a quarter of the cap ceiling. Uh, a quarter yeah. of it they have in dead cap. That is that can't be allowed to happen. No, but we but, need the hard cap. So. But Patrick Kane, I'm so I didn't Sorry. think we were yeah. gonna give. Yeah. Um. Listen, I mean, like from the new from New York's perspective, I really think there's no scenario here where you lose um you make it to the conference final yeah that turns into a first round pick it's worth it you don't make it to the conference final this year and it is a second round pick and an if and it is a fourth it is worth it like there's just no scenario to me where this is a a, a loss for for the for the new york rangers they're they're adding Patrick Kane to their top six. I said it last episode. Get ready for a Boston Rangers conference final. Giving up a second or even giving up a first in 2024 when this team is going to be competitive. There's I, I just can't see the the downside to this. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, you get a 33-year-old Patrick Kane that's still playing at an extremely high level and you didn't give up anything for it. I think Chicago just did him good and sent him to where he wanted to go. Absolutely no leverage here. Um, they were ready to kind of let go of what was of the past and move forward. And man, the Rangers just remember when we thought the Tarasenko trade just completely wiped this out. It's crazy how the Rangers just came back with all the moves they were doing also a lot on the weekend as well. And just get this done and be set up for how good they're going to be. Wow. Like the, the main thing I take from here now is the fact that Panarin and Kane are reunited. Right. And then you oh, can put God, whatever yeah. center you want there. And that, that amazing line that they had in Chicago for so long, it was Artem Anisimov as their center, but you could put anyone there is back. So here's what's funny about looking at the Blackhawks, and we can say this now so we don't have to bring up later um, too much about the Jake McCabe return, is in the next three seasons, they have six first-round picks. The Rangers one could make it uh, seven, but as of right now, it would be four seconds in this year's draft, two seconds a year after, and then uh, their own in 2025. So... Listen, um, we'll see if the fire sale, the way it's going, will work. But at least we can say this when it comes to draft capital, they've set themselves up pretty well in the future, which I can, you know, like, hey, fair enough, man. You're doing your you're doing your thing. 
Uh, listen, I will say this, Daniel, as you say, he's still playing an elite level. I think he's been playing an elite level for two weeks out of this season. And it's just happened to be in the last two weeks. Um, it's really funny to really look at how quickly the interest in Patrick King sort of picked back up in the league. Uh, it's kind of comical to be in, in my view, at least. Um, listen, if you're a team, clearly the Rangers and Mike was pointing this out, have felt affected by this. Um, Shesterkin's not been good lately. Keandre Miller, with all the trade stuff, we haven't had the time to talk about the Drew Doughty stuff. Um, it's been a very complicated saga there that also has emphasized how stupid the hard cap is. And if you try to explain all this to a casual fan, why Kane took so long and why it's at the price, I'm sure they would want to rip their hair out because I was trying to think about it last night. Um, you know, um, it's a low risk for what they gave up for the potential of having Patrick Kane and what he can do and what we've seen him do in the playoffs. I'm completely fine with it. Um, listen, uh, the Rangers are going to be a wagon. I'm sure they're going to bounce back, by the way, when my Sasha Sturgeon's not been good. I'm pretty confident that Yoshi Sturgeon's going to be good again. Like that's, I don't think anyone's going to question that. Um, I like how the Rangers are looking. It's just, um, it's really funny to see how intense the first round of the playoffs are going to be. And people were pointing out what's probably going to happen is two of New Jersey, New York Rangers, Toronto and Tampa, two of them are not going to win a playoff round this year, which is stupid. And I would use that to transition, but I'll double check with any of you guys. Anything else to say before we move on to Timo Meyer? I was going to ask, are the Rangers the best team in the Metro? Um. Okay, so Carolina one. haven't done anything except pull the RV. Mm-hmm. Which did I mention? I didn't put that on the notes. We're going to mention that later, though. Um, pull your Harvey. Um, I think right now there's an argument to be made. I think they're a much better looking playoff built roster than the Devils are. Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say right now they're the best team in the Metro. Yeah, yeah. a good balance between dynamic be- scorers, youth, uh, and they just have their guys. Like I, I love New Jersey's core, but they don't have. Now, like a Patrick Kane, a Panarin kind of player, I think. Well, they do that just have kind Jack of helps me. No, I, no, I mean, Jack like Hughes. in terms of like youth and experience in the playoffs. Oh, okay. They just don't have like, I mean, Dougie Hamilton to a certain extent. That's really funny. Was Dougie Hamilton part of the 2011 Brewers or was he after that? No, he was the, because he was picked the summer after. Oh, that's he always was. tough, eh? That's mm, what I call the yeah. Saku Koibu syndrome. Drafted in 93. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. Was he ninety nine? No, he was ninety nine. Was he? I'm stupid. It's 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 too early for me. I'm not a morning person. That's why my voice sounds about five decibels too low. Me too. Mine's pretty uh, raspy right now. Yeah, but you just not in a good gym. Batman way. You ate your you ate your eggs, your four eggs. Okay, let's talk about the trade. That um, it's really sad that um, the Leafs decided to make some moves and Patrick Kane got dealt because this move really got buried from the media's point of view which I think is a shame because I think this is the blockbuster. It's really funny that in the past couple of years, New Jersey get one of the bell of the ball free agents and Dougie Hamilton. No one talked about it. No one talked about it, remember? And then they get the biggest fish of this trade deadline and everyone's forgotten about it. Um, Timo Meyer is a New Jersey devil. And here is the re- first off. Here's the thing. I like this trade in principle because I love how many players moved in it even though I think this is a failure by Mike Greer, and I'm going to stand by that. Okay, basically, 
the the New Jersey Devils do get Timo Meyer. They got Scott Harrington, who they placed on waivers, and I think he got claimed right away. Did he not? By Anaheim, yeah. That's funny. Uh, Santeri Hataka, Timur Ibrahimov, Zachary Emmond, and a fifth round pick in 2024. I am sorry, I can't pronounce those people's names. I feel very bad. Basically, what you need to know, they got Timo Meyer. They give up to the San Jose Sharks a conditional seventh round pick in 2024, a conditional 2024 first round pick, that is depending on the Devils making it to the conference finals, um, a 2023 guaranteed first, Fabian Zetterland off the roster, Nikita Okachuk, Sakir Makamadoulin, I nailed that one, and Andreas Janssen. Uh, and Fabian Zetterland. Did I not say bit. Fabian Zetterland? I don't think so. I said off oh, the roster. Like you said off the roster. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry, I missed Fabian it. Zetterland. I missed it. I missed it. I missed it's it. fine. Good things happen. Uh, I miss a lot of things, Alex. Um, it's early too. We can always. Okay. I will make sense. But uh, what you said, Adam, I feel the same way that you know you get Shakur Mamadoulin, but you just don't get like one of those prized uh, prospects that the Devils have that's not on the roster yet, like. I kind of felt like it was a bit empty there. Yeah. Is they, well, the good thing for New Jersey, they kept, they were never going to trade Luke Hughes in this deal. They were never going to trade Simon Nemitz in this deal. Um, I was thinking Alexander Holtz. And when everyone said there's an injured player holding it up, I think everyone thought it was Alexander Holtz. Um, Everyone was thinking Dawson Mercer. Listen, um, my, it's very difficult to know the prospect pool of every team in the league, but I think we all try to know. Now, the best prospect in this deal is Makamadoulin. Now, and I was looking up some of the guys from, uh, obviously you guys know I'm a big elite prospects guy. I was a massive fan of their draft ranking stuff, so I trust their opinions a lot. And at least what I thought from this deal is the same thing that it was sort of echoed in David St. Louis. Oh, is it, it's David St. Louis, not Marty, I know, uh, of elite prospects was basically saying here, Listen, there's not an A-plus guy in this deal. I think Makamadoulin, again, is the guy who can get you the best here. But to me, and Frank Saravelli apparently reported that the Blues said they offer two guaranteed first-round picks. Now, to me, this feels like quantity over quality. And again, that's that's how I see it. I, don't, I think this is an underwhelming return. I, I think... Here's the way I look at it. And like, yeah, I, I agree. It's partially underwhelming, but they, I think they exactly went for quantity over quality. And I, I wonder to me if that says something more about what the direction of this team is than anything. Sorry. Um, their whole thing in San Jose was we're going to do a retool. We're going to do a retool. I, to me, this just screams we're going th- to do a rebuild because if you're going to do a retool, you, you get the top end pro you get a Holtz, you get a who uh Mercer, whatever, someone who's going to play in your lineup at this moment, who's going to make an impact at this moment. And I don't necessarily think they got that player. I think they got two guys who, or they got two guys who are probably going to make the NHL Zetterlin, who, like you said, probably is just going to hop on the roster. Now, same with Janssen. And then the group of picks, they didn't get the, uh, they didn't get the 
top end prospect. I think that everyone expected to the everyone expected them to get in this deal. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think um, Eric Carlson even said it in an article. It's from Daily Faceoff. I just apologize who the author was. I read this last night, but after the Meyer trade, he was disappointed, thinking like he doesn't know what the direction of the team is because you give other guys extensions, you trade someone with like like Meyer, and it just it's just like that feeling of what the return really is for it. Because like when we when you mentioned Shakur Mamadoulin, I view him as a boomer bust type of guy. And that was how his profile was when he was drafted, where, you know, he fit perfectly in an older era, but would he be able to adjust to become like that big body shutdown guy? Or is just going to be a bit of like a third pairing, you know, grinded out type of defenseman. So it is interesting to what they're going to do with this one now, because, you know, when we talk about the guys who were moved, you know, Meyer had is going to have control this summer. New Jersey is probably going to be able to resign him. And I thought that would be a lot more valuable to other teams. This is what um, I really like about this for New Jersey. And we can go to them here. Beside the fact, Mike Greer, you're on fraud watch. I didn't like the Burns deal. I don't like this. Can I just add, before we go to New Jersey, can I add something? Can sure. Eric Carlson stop saying he's disappointed? I'm, I'm. It's getting to like Taze Kane level to, of. To it, be fair, no, he was no, asked. no. I understand, but th- th- you give it. Try giving a different answer. Taze and Kane for the last three years have said, "What direction are we going in? What direction are we going in?" While the the they have literally crumbled. Not those two players. The organization had literally crumbled beneath them. Let's be, we know, we all see what's going on in San Jose. Like, I, I just, I'm, I'm tired of hearing that he's disappointed. It's that it's just getting to Taze slash Kane level of repeating themselves. But That's go all on. I'm gonna, all I'm going to say is he's back and he deserves a level of respect. He's so trade him. Also, damn it. So trade I, him. I, listen, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Um, Yeah, it's poor guys is going to waste away. They made legit waste Eric Carlson's best season ever. It was uh, which is which is a real real shame. Um, but yeah, so from um, another thing, yeah, that's just um, my career, man. Come on, we gotta get some. If they don't get like a quality piece for Eric Carlson, then I don't know what to say. Now, New Jersey, they get the perfect playoff profile type of player. If you re-sign him long term, that's a great piece of your core. He's young, he's talented. Um, these type of players aren't available often, especially even at the trade deadline. Uh, home run. Um, I hope Devils fans will always remember Scott Harrington too. Never yeah. forget. It, it co- I, to me, it, it it really changes the way their top six looks. Um, mm-hmm. I think it gives you that power forward type piece that like solidified power forward type piece that they always miss. Like daily faceoff has them on the first line with Tatar and Nico. He's here. He's here. So uh, like, I think that's a pretty good line and you look just below it. It's Brad Hughes and Sharon Govich. Right. So I I think it changes the way um, changes the, yeah. Changes the way their top six looks. I like that a lot. Daniel, you look like you're going to say something. Oh, I was agreeing with Alex that uh, oh, okay. Meyer the way he is as a power forward, young guy still, so fits seamlessly into New Jersey. Just that collective vision I like there. 
the East are just murderers. Like, I'm trying to think, well, like, what have the West acquired? At home was a good move for the Oilers. We'll get to that. But uh, it's been like them and Barbashev. It's really mm. funny. We could get to um, the Kings soon. You know what, Al- uh, Daniel? We can get to mm-hmm. the Kings right now. Um. Okay. So, listen, I feel horrible for Jonathan Quick. I really do. So, it happened. Oh, by the way, you know, I, I saw this trade happen in Habs fans. Apparently, so apparently, Jonathan Quick is not happy about this. I don't blame him. Apparently, he found he was traded after the game, like during press conference, which is just awful. Uh, but I saw Habs fans with the famous Mark Bergevin quote: "If you want loyalty, buy a dog." I don't support that statement. I think it's BS from Bergevin. But just remembering that Mark Bergevin is a part of the LA Kings organization. So what do they do? They go out and get uh, one of the overrated defensemen at this uh, trade deadline. Um, so here's the trade. Um, the Columbus Blue Jackets end up getting a first round pick. It is conditional, but uh, the Kings send a conditional pick first rounder and a third rounder this year, um, along with Jonathan Quick as part of a cap dump to the Columbus Blue Jackets. In return, the Kings get their defenseman of Vladislav Gavrikov and uh, a goalie that I was really high on people acquiring, Jonas Corposalo. So all of a sudden, you go from Quick and Peterson to a tandem of Corposalo and Phoenix Copley, which is um, questionable reputations on both ends, but the way this season is in a vacuum, it's pretty good. And Gavrikov tough and punch people. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty solid. Um. I like it for the Kings. I knew that they were going to add and it is, it is kind of, um, I, I keep saying this, this podcast, it's an end of an era where you signify it with getting rid of your long time goalie where he's Poor not guy. at that level anymore. You know, Dustin Brown already retired and you just kind of move towards what you have in the future. The Kings have done so well with building with strategic trading. I think a big thing we, we, we mentioned to you, along with their draft, it has been just strategic um, trading right now, like Kevin Fiala, um, Victor Arvidsson, um, just these complimentary guys that have gotten better when they go to LA. And it's just really good that they're kind of rolling the die right now on Jonas Corposalo. We don't know what version they're going to get with him, but I'm I'm pretty confident with him bouncing back, Phoenix Copley playing the way he's playing, and you know, maybe Cal Peterson will find his way again. Yeah, I, I hope he does. Um I'm gonna I just realized I can't see the conditions. I'm gonna go double check if this is if I can find them quickly. Alex, if you want to give us your Yeah, no, I don't know if the trades like it's not, apparently it's not a fi- it's done, but it hasn't it's not official no, yet. No I trade saw. call. Yeah, I saw LeBron okay. say it was going to be official like at eleven our time. So, um, we'll just we'll find out. Um, again, like I don't know how much of a an upgrade this is on their back end, um, but I would say I think it is an upgrade in net. I, I don't think the 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 goaltending in LA has been particularly good this year. I think no, it's really no. it's really really struggled and frankly I didn't even know moving Jonathan Quick was an option. As in like I didn't know that there was a team out there who was going to take that 5.8 cap it. Um and I imagine that comes into it. I, I think in a va- in 
the deal, yeah, it's a first and a third and Jonathan Quick, but I think if you really look at it, I think I don't think they're paying a full first round pick for Vladislav Gabrikov. I think there's I think there's some we're we're taking Jonathan Quick back. You will be paying you'll be paying us for that. Uh so I think this is a much more complicated charade than uh Vladislav Gavrikov and Jonas Corbasalo to the uh LA Kings. Dogs are barking. Uh, you know, I I really hope that maybe K- like Quick's just being emotional right now when there was some sort of communication. Um, because I think he's earned that. I'm a lot more sympathetic to Jonathan Quick than I am to guys like Kane and Davis. Um, especially because um, you know me, I'm the goalie guy, and you know, you know, he was such an important part of those two cups. Um, you, you know, it's it's it's. I hope that there isn't. I, I hope that hasn't affected the relationship long term there, um, because you know he's being basically banished to a Columbus team that is filled with injuries, um, like it it, it it just feels like he's being sent to a swamp. I, I don't. I'm not making fun of the city of Columbus or is it the state? I never know. The, the states are so. Ohio weird. is the state. Ohio is the state and Columbus is the city. I, I, I'm not insulting that I'm insulting the team in its state this season. Like their defensive sure. core, it's just like just there are some guys I've never heard of. It's Brad. I feel so bad for Jonathan Quick. That poor man may retire this year and he has to finish it being a cap dump. Like at least Shea Weber was basically done and now it's just sort of the ghost of his contract. And that's gonna happen the same with Carey Price, but like He's going to have to go and play games there. It is. I feel awful for him. And I really do hope the Kings were open with them. I really do, but it sounds like they weren't. Um, also, I still I like Corpusala, but like the Gavrikov thing, I'm just like, man. Man, if you don't win a round or two, this is a very bad trade, which obviously a lot of teams are going to look stupid if they don't win a round this year um, because it has been such a – it's been a great – side note. It has been an incredible deadline. Really yeah. has. Um, but you know, it's uh this is a uh Gavrikov's one of those the Athletic had like a five players to stay away from, and Gavrikov was right there. It's right there. Uh anything else, or shall we move on? I think one last thing I'd like to say is sure. like I like Brother. that you mentioned about I think <laughs> I think you like I like what you mentioned about moving these contracts and having to do it because We've always talked about the new GM coming in um, and cleaning house or preparing the team for what the future is. And Rob Blake had no attachment to these extensions because they were Dean Lombardi's contracts. So he let Dustin Brown uh, retire. He traded Jonathan Quick. Um, Even before that, he traded Tyler Toffoli. So I think it is just that feeling that you, you could... You could pick the guys you want who are going to be there from the cup runs and still produce like a Dowdy, like a Kopitar. But, you know, when it's time, it's time. Because Jonathan Quick, that was a high usage goalie. The way he played, I don't think that was sustainable into his late 30s. So I think that's just that part of the business part. I think uh, Rob Blake just understood that. Hmm? Okay. Uh, Shall we go to the trade that the Leafs made? Uh, We're going to get to them all. Okay. Oh, God. Kyle Dubas, he's been a busy boy. So, we'll get to the the, the first big one. The Toronto Maple Leafs have acquired 
Jacob McCabe, Sam Lafferty, and some some conditional pick, but no one cares. Uh, in exchange, they send Pavel Gogolov, 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 Joey Anderson. But the big thing is a 2026 second and a conditional 2025 first. There's some salary retention. Listen, basically all these trades, a few don't, but most of the big trades have salary retention. I'm just not going to bore the listeners with the details. On top of that, that is not the least we're not done. They trade Rasmus Sandin to the Washington Capitals in exchange for Habs legend Eric Gustafson. Uh, they also received the 2023 first rounder from Washington. That was Boston's from the Dmitry Orlov trade. They also then moved Pierre Engvall to the Islanders for a third round pick. Uh, that's a 2024 one. They send a 2023 third to the Canucks and get Luke Shen. So it's legend. So exactly, and he actually is. I think I'm well, not literally, but uh, Toronto's but favorite son returns. I love it. So Sandine Engvall out, Luke Shen, Eric Gustafson, Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty in. We can get to each of them in their own rights, but just I mean, Alex, I gotta ask you, man. As all these trades were happening, how were you feeling? I was just trying to read a book. <laughs> what, what were you reading? Um. I was reading, it's called uh, Atomic Habits. It's just about like how to pick up good habits, stuff like that. Is it a good book? Yeah. I I was trying to read this as I'm trying to pick up the habit of reading every day. And um, I couldn't stop. I just, every time I looked at my phone, there was something else. I was like, just leave me alone, please. Weren't you in a meeting when the McCabe trade happened? When the McCabe trade happened, I was in a meeting. Yeah, I was literally talking in the middle of a meeting. And I stopped. And you I got go, their guy, sorry. guys. I go, sorry. I go, I go, sorry. I'm like, the Leafs just made a trade. I'm going to put my phone down and I will continue talking. Um, so that's the, the that's what I was doing the last two days. Okay. So, Alex, um, obviously, we when I mentioned about bringing Shannon out, initially there was a thing of, are they really upgrades? How do you feel, and we'll start with the D, that they brought it. Sandine's a whole other other, other conversation. That, that was out of left field. However, upon seeing what some Leafs fans said, I'm not entirely surprised, but we'll get to that in a second, because there was smoke. Anyway. Yeah, there was a lot. <laughs> um, so the defensive core is at a point where you add Luke Shen, you add Jake McCabe. I don't think they're going to be offensive dynamos, but they face punch big boys. Um, I mean, like it. Let's go. I just I want to let's look at the McCabe trade for a second because I think it's a to me it's a really good deal considering what the asking price was. And I forgot to mention McCabe has term, and I should have mentioned that. Yeah, earlier. McCabe yeah. has two more years left after this, and he'll be it'll be two million dollars. Okay, so it's a first, a second, and two guys. I, let, the two guys, I'm Joey Anderson. Literally, no one claimed him for free last week. He's an NHL player. He's gonna be a re- good, really good bottom six player one day. And you know what? He's gonna play for the Chicago Blackhawks this year for the rest of the year. Pavel Pavel Gogolev, undrafted. Uh, I think he's he signed out of Guelph. Great um, name, by the way. Yeah, and he and he spent the last couple of years uh, between the AHL and the ECHL. 
again, like what's the, if I don't know what the value is for those two players, but you've literally, you're really giving up nowhere near your top prospects with all due respect to those who two guys you are giving up nowhere near your top prospects. And then you're giving up a first and a second. So the whole thing was that it was going to be a first for McCabe plus much more to retain. And you still got Sam Lafferty. So to mm-hmm. me, this deal is more than okay. I think if you look at the, like what it brings, I, I think the Leafs decor today looks very different than it does two days ago. I think they look, it, to me, they're a lot harder to play against than they were the last time this team played, frankly. They retired like mix of depth is very different now like yeah what i like about mccabe is i don't think he's at the same level as muzzin i do think he's below that quality yeah but when it comes to the price point in the age i think it's a lot better <laughs> like that's the role he's fitting he's basically the new muzzin so jake mccabe has my second favorite clean hit of all time the one on line a was just god just what a hard yeah. hit and it was clean, unlike half the ones that happened before we were born. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I like, I just, sorry, go ahead, Dad. You sure? Yeah. I was just going to say, I love the balance that we see now with the decor. Um, we, 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 we saw what they were able to weather when they had the injuries, but now everyone's back, everyone's healthy. I really like what they were able to do with everything that there is that grit, but there's still that responsibility, like the clean hits and, it's just going to be interesting how you're going to fit everyone. I know there's probably going to be another move soon, but yeah, I, yeah. I like the quality of these these defensemen, especially that they're getting. Well, I, so is it is it quality or role? Because I don't mean to be rude here, but I don't really think Luke Shen is a quality defenseman. It's just it's we're going to get to Juno later, and I think the thing with Juno is it's a role thing. Now maybe it's the quality of the he he's so good at playing that specific role but like luke shen is like let's be honest here he's there to be a mean boy sure they'd be and... a very mean boy aka he, he is there to try and combat pierre edward bellinar and like, Corey perry don't be surprised if luke shen is starting game one of the playoffs oh i 100 percent agree i'm not with surprised you yes like no, God, no, don't no. be surprised like I listen, they have on their roster right now nine NHL defensemen. If you want to include Jordy Ben, we can make that 10. Don't be surprised. Pardon? How is Jordy Ben still? Like, don't be surprised if Luke Shen starts on the third pair come playoff time. Like, sorry, Justin Hall. See you later. Like, have fun in the press box. Like I'm starting respectfully unless it's the, like uh, you're starting Luke Shen come game one against Tampa. Like I don't, I I feel I I don't, to me, it's not even a question. I don't know if that's too looking forward. I, I, I just think to me, your starting six is Riley Brody. Yeah, McCabe, Lilligren. Ah, why G- not? Giordano Shen. Uh, yeah, that can work. 
or you switch, you go Giordano Lilligren because that's worked and McCabe Shen. That's, like you, yes, pick, that's like you decide. Like frankly, you'd someone decide what it is. Like I, I don't that that looks to me when you say it when I say it like that. That's a lot different than what this defensive core looked like three days ago, right? So I just feel to me this with the defensive additions they've made, it looks like a tougher defense to play against. And I think that's going to go better for them when it comes playoff time to me. I agree with that. Um, do we want to talk about Sandine now? Yeah, I think a lot of people are trying to galaxy brain this. So Sandine was unhappy. I think it's fair to say he wanted mm-hmm. a bigger role in training camp. There was a contract dispute. Um, listen, um, I like the move for the Caps. Like I, I like having that bet on the young player. Like I, I, I really like it for them. The Leafs, I mean, they get a first rounder. They're always going to like that. Listen, I think long term it could be a move that you regret because of the player he can turn into. We know he can be, but you can clearly see what the Leafs are trying to build in their defensive core. I think Alex, I think you mentioned this. He probably wasn't making Game One of the playoffs. No, I think that's that's he- simply. I wonder if if Dubas has learned from the Kapan and Janssen stuff and he looked at the fit and I wonder if he sold high on Sandy. That's what I think. Uh, And I hate how much he got. Screw Janssen and Kapan. They had this with a defenseman. His name is Travis Dermott. Yeah. Listen, I'm not I'm not saying Rasmus Sandy is Travis Dermott. Rasmus Sandin is much better than Travis Dermott. In, in yep. no world, in no world was Travis Dermott ever fetching you a first round pick ever. With all due respect, what the the, the thing here is, it, it's exactly what you said, Adam. It's the he was unhappy. He what first he was he was going to get eaten alive. This is going to be a bloodbath. Frankly, this first round, every single matchup in the East is going to be a bloodbath. We'll pick up, pick a matchup: New Jersey, New York, uh, Toronto, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Boston, Pittsburgh. Like it's just going to be a bloodbath. Frank, he's a good defenseman. I just think he was going to get eaten alive. Um, they could have made this trade, I think, at any point up up until this time. The reason I think they didn't make this trade was for two reasons. Number one, does everyone remember the absolute madness of defensive injuries at the beginning of the year? You needed him to be there. Number two, in the last three days, they've acquired two more defensemen. And Jake McCabe, who's frankly taken his spot, and um, and Luke Shen, who that's just another body for him to have to battle with, essentially. That first round pick is not. Listen, I could be wrong. Come next that next episode on Sunday, we could still have this. The Leafs could still have this first round pick. I don't think they will, but I that's. I think that this galaxy braining it is way too much. He didn't want to be here. They could have. This is 
Remember earlier this season, Niels Lundqvist got traded. Yeah. Exact same thing. Young defenseman. Same sort of mar- the market was what, set for it. Wasn't going to get in the lineup. Was asked to move and got moved. Like it, this galaxy braining it is way too much. You have the example. It's right there. Listen, it, I think. Sorry, go ahead, Danny. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I kind of feel that it's just an accumulation of what we've been thinking with him. Is you know he dropped in the draft for Toronto. They traded down and got him. He was developing well. He played in the playoffs when he was very young. And I think there's just so much of those factors that a lot of fans were looking at thinking, man, like this, it was supposed to be one of your foundation guys, but I think you still got perfect value for him. I still think that along with that value, you, you do these moves to win now and to extend that window. And Really, like I, I, I felt it too. When the contract uh, negotiations were not going well, I think that was already that was already the sign that it wasn't going to work out long term. Yeah, like I always thought that by the time every like AK there was there's this time frame where like Brody's contract expires a team at the same time as like Matthews and Nylander. My always thought was that was the exact time that Lynn Green and Sorry, Lilligren and Sandine were really going to step up and really going to be the center parts of that defensive work. Um, now, maybe long-term it's Nimala, but it's not going to be the same timeline because obviously the whole thing. What's also nice is like, here's what's going to happen. Alex mentioned if even if it could get traded any day now. That or it's going to be traded and Dubas is going to move down draft because he, right. he loves doing that. Um, here, here's the like again. I I like Sandine. I think he's going to be a good player one day. Um, it's just um, it's just it's still kind of it's still a bit taken aback by it because it was just sort sure. of um, it was quiet. It was quiet. Good it just happened out of nowhere. Quiet. It did. The, the, like here's the thing with Sandine is. So Sandine and Lilligren came into the organization around the same time, relatively. They're a year apart in terms of draft class. Mm-hmm. Sandine had this quick, oh, wow, like this is a guy who can come come in. And he played some NHL games in his first year, whereas Lilligren, it took some time to get there. There were questions. There were questions, there were questions. for multiple, multiple years. To me, to, like at this time, it feels to me that Timothy Lilligren had surpassed Rasmus Sandin in, in development, in uh, how people view the defensive core. Um, they're not prospects, but how people view uh, the the younger players on this team. Like uh, to me, Timothy Lilligren had surpassed Rasmus Sandin, and I think that had started happening uh, at the end of last, towards the end of last year. Like people were pissed when Justin Hall made the lineup in games five, six, and seven um, in the playoffs. Over, yeah. Like I remember because that. he made he had a penalty. Like it, it was just the reasoning didn't make sense. Um that's what I think this is. Like this isn't there's no gallery. Like I just I don't 
think it's necessary. They have like 10, nine NHL defensemen to say this is dumb. Yes. In the long term, maybe. But I think so in the long term, yeah. But they don't care about that right they, now. They don't care. First off, they don't care about that right now. And let's say they keep this pick. Do you know where Rasmus Sandin was picked? I was actually thinking this is probably going to be around the same range, maybe a little later. Yeah. But it was definitely the back half of the of the draft because they yeah they moved down. Well, they suppose. moved. They moved down to get Rasmus Sandin. So I'm not saying they could keep the pick and they're going to pick another Rasmus Sandin. I'm just saying they could. It's a possibility. Like, I, it's just, I doesn't need to be galaxy brain <laughs> to me is the thing. Um, and, uh, and, and good on Washington. They're yeah. going to get a young, talented. They basically could they be, get a, a, a younger Gustafson and a guy who could turn out better than Gustafson. I really like the trade for Washington too. Yeah, As yeah. You can tell, like Washington have to be careful that in the process of getting Ovechkin the record, that they don't completely screw themselves in the long term. That's probably why they didn't want to go long term off. So I like what they're doing there. I like what they're doing a lot. It, like yeah, the they they rearmed themselves, I think. They they didn't run on empty where there's like we're just gonna put like a depth guy in there. We're gonna get, you know, someone who has that top four potential, but he's gonna be able to get the minutes that he's wanted and maybe he does deserve in the way the core looks like right now in Washington. They used the assets. They, listen, this is Boston's pick. Right. It's going to be a late first. Yep. You use that from Dmitry Orlov, who you weren't going to get done, and you turn it into an extremely young, promising defenseman. That's smart. And what they do is only giving up that first. Um, and Gustafson and UFA, it's a bit different, is they don't pay a, a bunch of assets to pack it to get Chikorin. Which again, there's more assets available for other moves than that. It's clever business by McClellan. It's clever business. Yeah, it's a good deal. Like they're getting themselves a uh, a guy who will be a good defenseman in the years in future years. It's just he's just not there yet. Do we have a passing note on Pierre Engvall? Um, unfortunate. <laughs> I don't know Great what to skater. say. Like, I. I, I I don't know a guy. Uh, listen, I'm not going to say he's Fred Freddie Gauthier because that's mean. Oh yeah, no, no, God, no. that that that's mean. It's just to me, he felt like another guy who was big, and the literal and fa- factually just tall, bigger guy who just didn't, didn't use, use his it. body. Yeah, never and I think it. that's what. And I think that listen, if he was able, if he did that. Uh, we're having a different conversation about Pierre Engvall, but the issue is he didn't do that, and he was the cap casualty here in, in my eyes. I think he reminded me of Kapanen in a way where, you know, great skater, good speed, but a lot of the tools that were offered to him or what he had, he never used it. Like, he would he never finish. He never, was, yeah, he never threw he, his body around. He was much more defensively responsible than Kisberry Gavin and I will I yeah. will I, I will say <laughs> I will say. Um the Oilers have pulled off a pair of moves. Um first off, they have traded Jesse Bully Harvey to the Carolina Hurricanes. Finally. I hate them. And they get um a young prospect who needs to be signed this offseason in Patrick 
Huistula. Huistola. Yeah. Huistula. The saga is finally over. Uh, listen, I hate how good... A, I hate that... that if there was one team that I believe can get the potential out of Jesse Bullier Harvey, or two, two, Tampa and Carolina. God damn it. Why? Yeah, Why? It, it, he's definitely going to. I don't know. I'd imagine he, excel, he excels in Carolina, just considering how other players have. Um, he won't have Mark Spector uh, writing hit pieces every day on him. That's true. Um, I do hope that's not Carolina's only move, though. Yeah, no, Sam. I'm, I'm with yeah. you. Um, that would be a little disappointing. Maybe James Van Riemsdyk? Y- yeah. If, just, if Detroit like made him available, I would really like them to see Apper choosing. I heard he uh, so oh, yeah. not I not I heard not I heard I read that apparently he is now more likely available than not like I think Friedman or Sarah Valley one of the guys said the asking price was like a at least a first round pick plus I I, I hate Detroit because they just lost both games to Ottawa they're not no. out of it but like that's pretty tough because they let Ottawa back in there anyway yeah. the other Edmonton trade that we should talk yes, about here yes yes. Um, they bring in Matthias Ekholm at four percent retained because because <laughs> screw you, um, out of boy Barry Trotz, who is apparently working on these trades with David Boyle. So I mean, Barry, you're off to a good start here, buddy. This the transition, you know. yeah. Anyway, um, the uh, Nashville receive a first this year, a fourth next year, Reed Schaefer and Tyson Barry to make it work. But um, listen, first off. Um, Matias Ekholm is exactly the type of player that um, if I said that Jake McCabe is sort of, if I say he is sort of a a light version of Muzzin, you know, now I, I want to say here, McCabe is closer to Muzzin than Joel Edmondson is to Matias Ekholm. I want to make that very clear. Um, but I wanted them to go get Edmondson so the Habs could get some prospects out of this. But instead, Ken Holland did a very smart move, which he doesn't always do. And go gets Matias Ekholm. Now, in a few years, McEchel may be a little questionable, but for at least, like, this is exactly what they needed. Maybe a little rich on what they gave up. However, I don't know. term, exactly what they needed. Yeah. I like, I just don't like, I thought, I was surprised that they also added Schaefer was the big thing. Yeah, because for him, remember at the draft, they traded. Yes, yes. A crazy amount to get that pick because they had to get rid of Zach Cassian's contract. So yeah. I think it's also worth like a second and a third in later drafts. But it's just any, anyway, it's, yeah. it's, we can different discussion on the term, but it's just, uh, but anyway, like echo is exactly what they need. Exactly. The first Western team to make a big swing. Yeah. Barbara doesn't count in Vegas, but like good for them. I was ready to come on the show today and rip Ken Holland for oh, saying God, yeah. that, for for yeah. saying um, that Evander Kane was going to be their deadline acquisition. I'm like, that's just it, it. Felt like such a cop out answer. Yeah. Um. And again, I said, I don't. I'm going to defend. I'm going to compliment Ken Holland here, like that. And we didn't know, obviously there was no. We didn't know this specific player was available until literally like a week and a half ago. Um. So, like you said, this is exactly the guy they need. A guy who can play defense and can move the puck. 
like this is this fits everything that this team really really desperately needs and i think it it's a huge impact like i think if you look at the other defensemen they were linked to outside of chickering be like that but that just never was going to happen you look at edmondson and gavrikov this is such an upgrade on their defensive core like it's an impact player you know how for the leafs i was saying they need to go out and get an impact player enough of this uh bottom six bottom pairing guys go out and get an impact player and that's what they did they finally they bought with with Connor McDavid in his prime, they finally bought. I'll admit, by the way, I was wrong about Nashville, and I I didn't think they'd be able to move Echo in season. Uh, five so cool. first round picks in the next three years. Wow. Five seconds, uh, and five thirds. Uh, a lot of fourths and fifths too. So um, credit to David Poyle and and Barry Trotz. But anything to say, Dan, before we move on to uh to. Another move Nashville made and the news going on there. Uh, yeah, I'd like to just applaud Ken Holland for getting a guy that is going to really complement this core, be a foundational piece on the blue line. Because I think it was Darren Dreger who did the report that they were talks with, about Chikorin, uh into the morning yesterday. But then Ken Holland cut bait and then just went for Ekholm instead. And I think you get more of that stable guy right now he's been playing you know he wasn't taken out for so long for trade related reasons or whatever and yeah Yeah. i think like the price for it like the perspective wise it is rich but i think that if you have that core of mcdavid of dry you like what you said you have to finally buy because there's be eventually like you can't just keep relying on guys playing above their salary guys who are going to be misplaced in a certain role. We've seen that so many times with the top six, with the defensemen they got. You know, no offense, Brett Kulak, but this is something that they had to do. How dare you? How dare you? No offense, Brett Kulak. How dare you? Okay, um, so before we get to the Juno trade, David Poyle is set to retire. We don't get a lot of GMs. I don't know if we've ever had this in the NHL. Probably not. But David Poyle, the only GM in Nashville Predators history, is set to retire at the end of the year. Working with him now and starting in the summer will be the official new GM. We know he wanted to go into management. It's Barry Trotz, the winning this coach, obviously, in Nashville history, one of the best coaches of all time, Stanley Cup champion. I will give credit to David Poyle. I think overall he did a very good job. Uh, people have been talking about what he did for the market overall. I got a lot of respect for the guy. Um, didn't always love all, all, all his moves, I'll admit, but um, he's going out in the high right now. He is, this is what I really, really like. You always talk about what you're doing for the next guy. What David Poyle is doing right now in tandem with Barry Trotz is setting Barry Trotz up to set up his vision of the Nashville Predators, which, I mean – it might be similar because they're both very defensive minded people, but um, like, honestly, uh, a lot of credit to David Boyle. Good for him. And congrats. Great career. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's weird. Cause David Boyle's not going to be there anymore. And I do credit the fact that he just never let go with the Preds. Like no, 
he wasn't given you know the ability to sign big free agents until Paul Korea and he still kept the team afloat and then he just kept going with developing his draft picks being aggressive when he knew the window was there and the high point for that was going to the finals was consistently being competitive I think a big thing I credit with him and it's not something a lot of people talk about but is when they finally knocked out Chicago in the first round in was it 2017 and I think that really ignited a lot of things with the Preds showing how good they actually are the development the strategic trading they were able to do and one other thing to look back at the Poyle is the fact he was able to do all of this and I think this was also a bit of his sour point was never had like a legitimate first line center even when they were competing and then I know that like when he suddenly realized he had to spend to try to find one um, that wasn't good but I really credit the effort he's been able to do with that if you look at their what they're def- first off their goaltending has he had a bad goaltender in recent memory no. no but if you look at that decor it's always it's always changing but at the same time it's still always if you look at the individual pieces always one of the best like you know what i mean like just that stretch of just absolute pumping out defensemen one after the other and another it was it's it's crazy um on top of that what might be one of his best trades ever Tanner Janot, one of the better rookies of last season, gets dealt to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, another tough bastard for them who can score. This year hasn't been great. They give up Cal Foot. They give up a first and 25, second and 24, third and 23, fourth and 23, fifth and 23. Now, um, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning may be the only team in the league where they give up that type of return for that player and I do not blink twice about it. Here is what Julian Breezeball said, um, based on the cost of acquiring Monsieur Janot. At the end of the day, I know there's a perceived value of those picks, but we have a really good idea of what the actual value of those picks are. Individually, you can go, what's the first round pick worth? What's the second round pick worth? And so forth and so on. When we look at what uh, it's worth to us, Based on the odds of those picks turning into good NHL players down the road, I'd rather have the good player right now for this season and next um, and help this group win right now because I know what the odds of those picks turning into players. I also know what the odds are of those picks turning into players that can help us win while we have this group of players available right now. Uh, the odds of that are, you know, we don't need to get into the rest of it, now, but I, I really like the explanation of Breezeball there. Also, Derek Lalonde head coach of the Detroit Red Wings, who obviously um, was part of the coaching staff when Tampa were winning some cuts, basically said, um, I'll never question Julian Breezeball because I, w- yeah. I wouldn't be here without him. It's just, that's how stupid good Tampa are, is they gave him a draft class for Tampa, as you know, and I don't question it. Only team in the league that can do that. The, the thing with Tampa Bay is... I was having this conversation with someone the other, this was before the Tanner Janot trade. I was having this conversation with someone and we were talking about like how, what Tampa is really good at is they have their core, right? Their core is there, 
what they're good at is surrounding their core. And whether that's with their own prospects, because we've seen that, you talk, look at Ross Colton, you name it. Adam, we were talking, texting yesterday. Who on earth is Nick Perbix? Perbix. Yeah, I, I don't know. He just came out of nowhere and he's great. I, I, Who is I this don't dude? know. I don't know. Right. <laughs> and, and so what they're, and whether it's through the draft or whether it's through free agent signings or trades, like, they're good at bringing these guys in and making it work. They look at what they did last year. Look what they did last year with Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel. Nick Paul came in. He was going to get more. He was going to get, he wasn't going to get like seven years, but he was going to get a higher AAV in Ottawa than he was in Tampa. And like Brandon Hagel, made it work that bought that third line was an absolute nightmare last year bringing mm-hmm. black back vladislav nemestikov like that fourth line is a nightmare to play against this is what they're good at they don't need yeah. the draft picks i guess i don't know <laughs> I, I think the biggest thing with that too is the way they've been spending it is they look for term and they look for guys that are gonna you know they're on the cusp of breaking out so it's not like it's it's you know it's a rental every single year just giving up those assets like it's still those investments that i like about it that they found a role for these guys they found a way for them to play up and down the lineup whenever they had injuries you know they didn't have anthony sorelli the whole year they didn't have Braden point certain times uh and Hagel was perfect in the top six, but like he's perfect in the top nine. And Nick Paul is still getting a lot better. Um, I think there was still that glimpse already because he was a 2013 pick. You know, he was in the Jason Spezza trade to Ottawa, and they just kept holding on to him. And I think eventually that potential came to fruition in Tampa. So I think it was a big deal. I think for me, I was kind of taken aback because. I really believed in Calfoot's potential. I really believe that with Ryan McDonough gone, this guy was going to get a lot more minutes, a lot more responsibilities. And, you know, maybe it just didn't work out there. It's He's already 24. And him going back the other way, he'll play in Nashville. And Tampa, like, these picks will be inconsequential eventually because that Hagel trade, we, we thought that was something a bit of an overpay. But look how he's playing. Daniel, I will say it's it's going to be tough to uh, get minutes over Zach Bogosian, so I, I understand. Okay. <laughs> um, so Boston have Sorry. done their stuff, yeah. Orlov. The Leafs have done many things. Tampa have made their move. Carolina, we're kind of waiting on them. But if they don't do anything, I still have faith they can do stuff. Like it's still, but you would like them to do more. New Jersey and New York have made their moves. Both the New New Yorks technically have. The Panthers can't really do much, but Pittsburgh and it sounds like Vancouver and them are working on something. Something. Maybe Connor Garland, maybe Brock Besser, but they're working on something. The Sabres are yet to make a move. Detroit, uh, who knows? There's one team in that mix that we're waiting on as well. Big games. That really, if they lost them, could have determined their season. Two big wins against Detroit. What in the world are the Ottawa Senators going to do? This is the last thing we'll talk about today. What are they going to do? I, I, w- I wish I knew. 
we've been talking about the again, we've been talking about them acquiring a defenseman for about four months now. They're out on Chickering. Uh, they're obviously not going to get Ekholm because he's traded. That would have been again. That would have been a nice move. Cam Talbot um, for Jonathan Quick. Uh, Cam Talbot for Jonathan Quick. That's a downgrade. Let that happen. Uh, they they did like whether we like it or not. They I'd argue they sure like I saw who was it Derek Broussard come out and say you know. We think that Pierre Dorian should go out and buy. It's like, yeah, he probably should. He should have done that months ago. Um, like, so let's let's get get a move on it. Like, what defensemen are still out there? I mean, can I, honestly, can I some, yeah, yeah. Can go I say something very funny. It just made yeah. me laugh when I saw that quote because I was just thinking like Derek Brassard saying, you know, we 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 earned the right for them to like to buy at the deadline and then mm. what happens he's part of those moves as one of the contracts I, going I the know. other way that'd be funny Jacob Chickering but they won't no, do it so out. here are some available defensemen Joel Edmondson in the short commute Tyson Berry maybe go get him from Nashville Shane Goss is there Shane Goss is there Shane Goss don't they need a defenseman who can play defense Sometimes the best defense is having the puck. So Joel Edmondson, even though we can't really play defense anymore, he's really hurt, but Joel Edmondson. Yeah. Man, I... Who else I, is I, out there? Uh, Who else is out there? Nick Sealer. Okay. It, it, is, uh, I, I Listen, either they're going to make an upgrade in net, or they're, I, I don't think they're touching. I don't think they make an addition up front. I just, mm. I don't think that's where their issues lie. I think everyone knows that's not where their issues lie. It's they need to make a decently sized addition to that back end. And I think we're just shooting, our, they're just shooting themselves in the foot every time they say, we're not including this guy, we're not including that guy. I understand, but if you want to give something, if you want to get something of significance, you're going to have to give up something of of significance. I, I just, I don't know what, what that player is. Like, yeah, you're right. It should be Jacob Chikorin. And who knows, come Friday, maybe the price is a little bit lower. Just, I just, I, it would be nice if, if something was, um, if they did something like, do you know what they could go do? You know, who else is in Arizona? A certain goalie. Patch Melka would be good. Yeah. New York would be really good. Um, okay. Hey, maybe if you're not willing to give up a lot of money for, or a lot of assets for Chikorin, maybe you're more okay with giving up a lot of assets for Chikorin and Veg Melka. This is the deadline of two player moves. So do it. Um, that's everything for today. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? This was fun. We didn't know what this episode was going to be like, but it was super fun. Yeah, a lot of good trades. A lot of great trades. Uh, thank you for listening. Check us out. Can, I, you're your- can I add one thing? I just got a text from Mike. Oh, great. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, he, yeah, sent right. me, he sent me that Luke Shen will be wearing number 22. And he said, the disrespect by Shen. Numbers shouldn't even be available, should be in the rafters. Who am I forgetting that wears 22? 
Zach Bogosian wore 22 oh, for the Leafs. Okay. Um, I Disrespect I for like... Jake McCabe. Give him number two, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, thank you for listening. You know we're, you know, we're on every podcast network. Um, you know, all that type of stuff. Um, we're also on like all the social medias. Um, shout out to TikTok being like banned for like parliamentary members. How long until that's just like banned? Period. Eh? I don't know. The European Union is doing that too with their government workers. Well, because the privacy laws are st- are like the privacy with it is apparently awful. I don't have TikTok, and well, I made an account, but I've never been that's on it. it. Yeah, that's okay. That's everything. You don't. Need um, it. you'll see us on Sunday. Are we all there on Sunday? Yes. Yes. Okay. Daniel's not going to be here in the day on April. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, um, I may not be here for an episode. Alex may not be here for an episode. You never know. Mm-hmm. It's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Ah, uh, that's everything. Goodbye.